0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and welcome to our live weekly medical show on News Talk 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here with us, again, to tell you what you need to know about how early screening and knowing your profile can lead to the avoidance of heart attack and stroke altogether. Pre-screening and simple non-invasive tests can actually prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls. So please make a note of this number, 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show. And this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor So stay tuned and we'll be right back. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back, all of you listeners to our live weekly medical radio show here on News Talk 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin and we are back again tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at health care in this country from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Collender, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to have you on the air live talking to patients. They all need help out there, and this is the first time we've had callers lined up before before we go on the air almost. But we're going to try to stick to prevention today. I know we always talk about COVID. But Siobhan, welcome from Miami, Florida. Who do you have on the line?
1: Thank you. So up first, we have James and Warren on the line. James, what's your question?
2: Oh, hello. So I had um, last week a nuclear stress test, cardiogram, and about six months ago, cardiac catheterization, which I was told is the gold standard. Everything came out good. I'm 68. And I still have a little chest discomfort. What do you think would cause
3: that? Do you
4: have any ideas? Well, thanks for calling, James, first. And, you know, unfortunately, none of those tests really diagnose you for uh, your risk for heart disease because those tests are looking at the blood flow, which is what's between the walls of your artery. I need to know what's inside the walls of your artery to identify your risk. You should still get a CT calcium score unless that included in one of your tests. And then we do a test in our office called a carotid intima media thickness test. So those are the best tests to identify your risk for disease. I've had patients who were told that they're fine after the test that you had and they still have plaque. And I'm working hard with them to shrink the plaque that they have. It was missed by a heart catheterization. So it's, unfortunately, it is no longer the gold standard for prevention in my book. As far as your question, after you've made sure you don't have heart disease, which you have not done yet, I think, um, you know, a common cause of non-cardiac chest pain is acid reflux or musculoskeletal injury. Those are things to look at. But again, from a prevention point of view, you haven't really done the due diligence yet. Not your fault, though. You're doing what the doctor says, which was the wrong thing.
0: Well, James, thanks for calling. We've got to get on with other callers. But, I mean, and, you know, in defense of the poor patient that's calling in, you know, his doctor needs to be the shepherd and tell him what test to get. And uh, and he needs to get the CIMT for sure. So, James, uh, you can certainly call Dr. Collander directly, and we'll be talking about his number. Let's as
4: come we back call. to this after the next call. Yeah, we've got a another chance, call. Because
0: there's more to talk about here yeah. about James. Okay. Uh, who else okay. is on the line?
1: Yeah, so up next we have Tony and Wayne. Tony, what's your question?
5: Yes, I did not get the COVID vaccine. Is it safe to get a blood transfusion from one that did have the COVID vaccine? Interesting
4: question. I mean, well, it is an interesting question. Can I ask you why is this pertinent?
1: Why is it important? If I well, need a blood transfusion, I one. Yeah, got me. it,
4: got it. Um. If the person got the vaccine more than five or six months ago, it's probably a lot less active in their body and, and should be okay, but I can't say for sure.
5: Um, okay. but thank as, you. Know,
4: you. Know, you're welcome. Thanks for calling.
0: Okay. Do we have anyone else on the line or we can come
1: back No, not, to... not at the moment. Yeah, we can go back to... Okay, uh, Dr. Tollender,
4: we no, let's pick right. up on where we left off. i want to go back to James because here's a guy with what I would call atypical chest pain. You know, chest pain that's not sounding like it's cardiac per se. He goes and gets a stress test, which is normal. Why go and do a heart catheterization after that, which has a risk of negative outcomes? You know, it's a low risk you know, less than 1%, but still there's a risk of getting a heart catheterization after a normal stress test with atypical chest pain. So that's the problem with our system. It's even a normal test isn't considered normal, even though it was a wrong test to do. Uh, well, he had symptoms, so getting a stress test isn't the worst thing. But why put him through a heart catheterization? I don't understand it. It's, it's excessive.
0: So who would have written the prescription for that? I mean, well that's a heart,
4: that's a cardiologist's decision because mm-hmm. that's who does the test. And so, you
0: know, are, let me stop you here. Are cardiologists like overindulging in prescribing tests that are unnecessary or that are dangerous or I mean, that's you you yourself said that was was totally not called for. Well, it's well known
4: that a lot of cardiologists utilize a heart catheterization as the first line investigative tool in someone who presents with chest pain symptoms. And we talked about this on the upcoming uh, Sunday Sunday show show, at
0: three o'clock. How
4: medical management is as good as an intervention in people with stable angina. We've talked about this on the show many times. So if your, you know, initial test is okay, you know, and you're not dying right then and there, Medical management is a much better option than a procedure that has its own risks. So if, you, if it's all the same, why go through the procedure? It doesn't make a difference
0: scientifically. Quick question. Who is the doctor that's shepherding medical management? Is that the PCP or the cardiologist?
4: Well, in these studies, it's the study group. So there's a whole process involved to make sure that the participants are getting the medical management that, they, that the study required. But in real life, there's nobody to shepherd people through a medical management process.
0: So they can't even get into the process. Let's come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. Again, you are listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We are here with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and would like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent a reverse disease, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. If you're just now joining us, I'd like to let you know that we are welcoming you to our special weekly medical radio show on News Talk 760 WJR. We are back again with Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician, and specialist in prevention in Birmingham, Michigan. After 20 years in practice and watching patients die prematurely and unnecessarily, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800 Siobhan, do you have another caller waiting to get on, uh, on the yeah, line? Yeah, so we
1: actually, we have two on the line, but let's start with our Canadian friend. We have Dave in Windsor, Ontario. Dave, what's your question?
0: Yes, good evening, guests. One
3: of the things about that can, what are the, can, I wonder if you know too much about digestive issues that can also, can they also be contributed to heart problems? For instance, if you're, if you have like acid reflux, and you're not properly digesting your food, and you're not properly absorbing it, getting it, giving it a chance to get absorbed into your body, are they major contributing factors to heart disease and stroke and whatever, have, what have you? What do you know about that?
4: Well, thanks for calling, Dave. Great question. So the term that I use for that is called gut dysbiosis, and some people might refer to that as leaky gut. And the idea is that when we're our gut lining is exposed to a toxic environment and frankly we live in a toxic environment, our GI tract is open to the air, if you think about it, and so all the foods, chemicals, pesticides, metals in the soil, um you know everything that we eat that is a chemical that we're not raised, you know, or you know if you want to say, Uh, we haven't been uh, developed to digest those things, those damage the lining of our artery and generates an autoimmune response. So gut dysbiosis is a major problem. And so when I hear about people having acid reflux or colitis or any kind of bowel disease or GI upset, I put it in those terms. And these are, uh, I think it's a very effective way to get people to change their lifestyle Um, and we make the recommendations appropriate to the person and what, what they're dealing with at the
1: time. Okay. Dave, thanks for calling. Siobhan, you have another caller? Yeah, we have uh, two more again now. So let's start with Bob in Shelby Township. Bob, what's your question?
2: A question is for a family of a history of uh, cholesterol, uh, heart problems. And now the family's grown up and getting older and they're on statins and, uh, Now we're finding out the lipoprotein A is uh, getting extremely high for one of the individuals. I know there's a medication for it, extremely expensive, and some studies coming up. But I also know that statins also raise your uh, lipoprotein A. In your protocol, is there anything that you address specifically to get lipoprotein A under control?
4: Well, thanks for calling, great question. So first of all, like we always say, especially in somebody with elevated LPA, it's important to identify your plaque risk. So more than ever, you need to get a CIMT ultrasound, measure your artery walls, get labs that measure artery inflammation that help identify your risk of having an event. That's critical. Um, So that's number one. Number two, People with LPA, you can take niacin. So extended-release niacin helps mitigate the risk of LPA, um, and you want to take as much of it as you can. Don't take, you know, non, uh, non-flush or, or slow-release uh, niacin is going to cause a, a hot flash and turn your skin red for an hour. That's just how it is. You got to take it anyway. Now, if there's a family history of high lipids you may have familial hyperlipidemia which is a genetic phenotype so there's not a specific gene that causes fh but it's a collection of a few thousand different genes that produce elevated lipids in a family situation so there's a formula to follow that you can identify each of the individuals in your family do they or do they not have familial hyperlipidemia and if they do then they're a candidate for Rapatha, which is my favorite PCSK9 inhibitor. So, Rapatha um, is indicated for um, familial hyperlipidemia, and it also, as you already just said, lowers LPA. So, you can get two birds with one stone, and it would be covered by insurance because it's approved for FH. So, you need to go and ask your doctor you know, you can probably go online, gather everybody's pre treatment LDLs and calculate your probability of ha- if you fit the criteria for FH.
0: Well, that certainly was okay. very helpful to caller Bob. And Bob, uh, don't hesitate to call Dr. Collander directly if you uh, need more information, 866 Collander. Sh- Siobhan, you have another caller?
1: Yeah, so we have two again now, uh, starting with Mark and Howell. Mark, what's your question?
0: Um,
3: yeah, I'd like to have the doctor comment on Really, when it comes to prevention, most doctors these days are omitting vitamin D level tests for people. As a type two diabetic, I've worked on this for three years, well before COVID. And I've got my, you know, I've lost all my weight. Um, I'm getting, you know, my A1C is down. I've done a lot of things positive, And I've known that diabetics especially and a lot of people have um, historic or typically low immune systems, so I've worked on that. My D level tests between seventy and ninety for three years now, and that's good. I, I talk to a lot of people, and their doctors are clueless about even testing for vitamin D, or even therefore, and also how to advise a level. I have a person that I work with. It's a type one diabetic who's generally healthy, but her level tested at 25 and her
4: doctor told her you're doing great. That's just fine. And that's way low. Well, I'll agree with you hundred percent. Thanks for bringing this to our attention. Um, but there's a few, so agree with you, everything you said. So vitamin D, um, as we learn with COVID helps boost our immune system and to no surprise Um, If you're you're not on blood thinners, you could probably also take vitamin D3 with vitamin K2. So D3, K2, because D3 is better absorbed when you take K2 with it. And also vitamin D3 helps um, lower insulin resistance, which is the driving factor in becoming diabetic. Um, You could also take curcumin, which is a supplement. It's the active ingredient for turmeric. Curcumin and vitamin D3 together and separately have been shown to improve people, um, improve their insulin resistance. Another thing you can take, and again with all of this, is a teaspoon of Ceylon cinnamon. Ceylon cinnamon is C-E-Y-L-O-N, which you can find online. So a teaspoon a day of Ceylon cinnamon with the D3K2, with the curcumin, all helps reduce insulin resistance. And then the only thing that you got to think about is Hormone balancing. Um, I think all men with insulin resistance and obviously diabetes are low in testosterone. Um, And so that's an opportunity to optimize your hormone levels and further improve your health. And of course, get a CIMT, get a CT calcium score, see what's going on with your arteries. In my world, hemoglobin A1C is not an endpoint I care about. I've got plenty of patients who heal their arteries and their you know, A1Cs don't come down and I've got patients with good A1Cs and bad insulin resistance and their arteries are not happy. So, um, get your arteries checked and don't worry about your A1C.
0: Mark, thank you for calling. Well, Dr. Collander, that was a loaded answer. Oh, like yourself. a year's worth of information and even Siobhan's going, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, I know we've got another caller. We have other callers coming in, but we're going to have to catch them all on the other side of the break, but I'm hoping that our last caller got a world of information from you. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. Again, you are listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or if you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics, prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows Sunday afternoon at 3pm and live Thursday at 7pm. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800-859-0957. Siobhan in
1: Miami, how many callers do you have? Yeah, so we have two on the line right now. Let's start first with Kayla in South Korea. Kayla, what's your question? Kayla, welcome.
0: We're glad to hear from you. You're always coming in on Facebook, but here's the doctor waiting for your call.
5: Thank you. Um, Dr. Collender, I'm from a family history of heart disease. Um, I'm not overweight. I eat fairly well. I exercise more than most. I walk a dog three times a day. I'm starting to do kettlebell exercises. I do intermittent fasting. I'm on a fish oil supplement. And the other day I uh, had a blood test and my HDL is 461 and my LDL is 360. My doctor put me on Lipitor, 10 milligrams, uh, and told me to eat better and exercise.
0: Oh my God. Don't you um, love it? Eat better and exercise. Just love it. Okay.
5: Well, so, Kayla, I mean, I, so I go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. So I'm like, I don't know. I know I have genetic issues, so that's probably the biggest factor, but I want to know what you might suggest.
4: Right. So your LDL was 360? Yes. So just like the last caller, you have familial hyperlipidemia and you should not be on a statin or maybe just a low dose of a statin and you should be put on Repatha. That's number one. Forget us. You need to be on both. And the second thing is you really need to get a CT calcium score to see if you have plaque and then get a CIMT or get the CIMT first and see if you have plaque. And then that gives you some data you can follow moving forward on your progress. Um, what were your should triglycerides? I
5: wait the lip kicks in. Should I wait my two months? He's going to do another blood test and then do the CIMT?
4: Um, the or cholesterol I- levels are meaningless. They're, they mean oh. nothing. The only meaning to your cholesterol is that you have a very high number, which puts you in the category of the familial hyperlipidemia, which is a, which means you're a candidate for rapatha, and so you might take a baby dose of a statin, you know, like five milligrams of. Uh, I mean, I like rosuvastatin, which is generic Crestor over Lipitor, um, and then you should be on rapatha. And then who cares about your cholesterol? It's about do you have plaque. There's nothing about that number that's going to change anything.
0: Did we lose her?
4: Yeah. So you just get your disease identified um, and then go from there. What's your triglycerides?
5: Oh, I'm so sorry. Cause everything's in Korean. So I only uh, had those. translated.
4: Okay. Well, yeah, get, you got to identify the disease first and, and, get on rapathin, a low dose of the statin and then um, go from there and get an LPA, Thank just like the other caller, get an LPA level to be sure.
0: Okay. Thank Kayla, you. Keep, keep following us on Facebook and hi to everyone in Korea. Thanks for listening. Siobhan, who do you
1: have? Okay. We have a few calls that came in up next. We have a Brian from the West side. Brian, what's your question?
6: Hi. Um, you may have
3: or answered it in part. Um, I'm 61 years old. Um, I have a very sedentary lifestyle. I'm probably 20 pounds overweight. I take five milligrams rosuvastatin. That's my only medication. I I don't have any other information like what my triglycerides are and stuff. What I'm interested in finding out is what should I ask my doctor? What kind of test should I have to, to find out if I have plaque or if I'm at, I, by the way, I have a, a lot of cardiac issues in my family, but I have had none so far.
4: I hate to say it, but you're just not going to get to the bottom of it in a standard medical practice that puts you on a statin without you know knowing anything. So, um, you need to I get again get a CIMT to identify your risk. Your, I hate to say your doctor's not going to know what to do with it. Get a C-calcium score if you can't get that as a way to identify plaque. He's treating you as if you have plaque without knowing whether you do because just because you probably have a lot of risk factors doesn't mean you have plaque. So you got to start with there and then and then back down. Um, you know, I just don't know what your doctor is going to be able to identify. If your triglyceride to HDL ratio is high, meaning, you know, then you may have insulin resistance. Um... You have really got to um, not eat sugar and exercise more, but also it all depends on what your arteries look like and how intensive the therapy needs to be based on that. So to throw out, you know, do this or that is is a little out of place.
0: So what's he to do? I mean, he's got to well, be an advocate, right, right?
4: He's he's got to keep listening to the show or call us and and tells and educate his doctor.
0: That's. Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's like laughable. You've got to educate the doctors. It should be the other way around. The doctor's there to educate us. Do we have any other callers, by the way? Sean? Yeah,
1: we do. We do. Um, up next, we have Dan and Flint. Dan, what's your question?
2: Yeah, I have a, a family history of, of heart disease and stuff, and I'm around 60, height and weight proportionate, and um, high blood pressure. But my doctor had me take one of those um Scans of your heart where they can look at everything all, you know, I don't know what the, I can't remember the name of it. So what was your score? 3D. Pardon me?
4: Did you have a calcium score?
2: I did not.
4: So what did the test show? um,
2: I asked him about a stress test and he said, you know what? You'll pass the stress test. But if you really want to know what your heart looks like, I'd get one of those scans. That's what, you know, so I did. And the lower... Um, the, the, the LAD, I think that's what it's called, goes um, that had uh, maybe a 40-some percent blockage in it. So, so I was wondering plaque. what you would do as far as treating it.
4: Well, again, it's not just so you know you have plaque, you should be on a statin, and now you need to go on a hunt for all of your other drivers of disease. You know, do you have insulin resistance and treat it? You know, do you have sleep apnea or other sleep disorders? Do you have gut dysbiosis, like Dave mentioned? You know, do you have oral health issues? Do you have bacteria in your mouth that contributes to disease? Do you have other genetic markers that need attention? So these are all areas that need to be addressed. And um, unfortunately, most traditional doctors do not even know where to begin. They're just going to put you on a statin and call it a day, which is not enough. It just isn't enough. Thanks for calling.
0: All right, Dan. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I mean, I'm just amazed at the number of callers that call in and it's it's all the same. It's the, like they don't seem to be getting guidance or shepherding from their primary care physician or their cardiologist. So it's... Uh, I mean, what we're hearing today is like your basic, I went to my doctor
4: and I found this and here I've got... And now we the don't know what to do with it, right? And, well, but these are the people, you know, half of them are going to have a heart attack because all of their different conditions weren't identified and according to the doctor the statins all you need to do and it just isn't
0: it's really a you know sad situation no, today is sad it's really <laughs> this sad is to kinda... think unbelievable like all these people are in the doctor's care and the doctors aren't caring for them properly Siobhan right. you have another caller
1: yeah we do do we have time to take another caller
4: sure go yeah, fast
0: then we'll come
1: okay, back. okay all right so let, let's jump to Tim and Brighton Tim what's your question
6: you have 30 seconds Tim Chronic, nonproductive cough, 10 to 15 years, been to a pulmonologist, been to the um, um, allergist, had chest CTs, everything's clear, been to the acupuncturist, a naturopath. Chronic cough will not go away. The only environmental component is on cold days like we've had the past week or two, I'll, the cough will increase. Um, so I'm at wit's end. I don't know what other things are available. And after the after the break, I might be able to give you a little bit more detail about All everything I right, have tried. Hang, All
0: right. hang on. We can try yeah, to tell you this. We'll come and... back to you after the break. Listen
6: to Facebook. We're talking about
4: COVID.
0: Right, exactly. In the meantime, you're listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subject we're discussing and you'd like to hear from the doctor directly, please call us at 800 859 0957. Again, that number is 800 859 0957. You are listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on News Talk 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Colander, M.D., internal medicine physician, and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. Dr. Colander, just before the break, we talked to Tim in Brighton, who has a chronic cough. I don't know if he's still on the line, but oh, yeah. um, oh okay, great, go ahead
4: so tim let's let's make some assumptions mm-hmm. um, you know let's assume you don't have lung cancer, you don't have Correct. some um, chronic pulmonary fibrosis, Correct. you know you don't have some chronic infection that's been missed, so let's assume this is not a primary lung problem Correct. so uh, you know other causes of uh, chronic cough are mild asthma, which is a lung problem, so you know I would put you on. Um, something like singular, generic singular, uh, which is great for mild cough variant asthma. I would do that first. I would look at this as being a symptom of acid reflux. And again, talking about Dave, you know, this is a um, could be a presentation of, of it just could be acid reflux. And I would put you on a very, you know, uh, restrictive diet. To heal your gut, in case that's what yep, it was. Yep. Um,
6: can I, I mean, can I interject yeah. real quick? Sure. Yeah. Um, I pulmonologist. Um, no no chest issues. There's no asthma. There's no sports induced asthma. Um, I've done the Singulair. Uh, tried the various inhalers, steroidal and non. We've tried the reflux medications. Done uh, uh, you know we we for for GERD or silent GERD. That's nothing there. Um, uh, We got to the point where we thought it might have been a neuropathic cough. So I've tried the gabapentin, amitriptyline, no, no, no help. Um, And you know, like I said before the break, you know, the the tried went to the uh, ENT, didn't see any scarring that was indicative of any significant uh, nasal drainage. I, um, have been to a naturopath, changed up the diet, tried to get everything changed up. That was unsuccessful. Finally, the acupuncturist, uh, felt pretty good after a couple, couple months, but then the cough is back. And when you were talking to one of the other callers and you mentioned some of these other vitamin options, you know, the the D3, K1, or whatever it was you talked about, I thought maybe there should be something else along those lines that I could try.
4: Well, you know, I would look at so that as a gut health heal and, you know, um, some combination of the right kind of diet. And, you know, so a functional medicine doctor that works on gut dysbiosis, that's what I would work on. And just because your first go-round didn't work, I would still work on that route. Um, You just may not have found the right food triggers (laughs) and you may not have found the right kind of supplements to heal it. So I would still work in that area. Um, Okay. Good luck.
0: All right. Thanks for calling, Tim. You know, it's amazing that there are patients out there that are bouncing around from doctor to doctor to doctor. It's a challenge to get to the right doctor and to get healed. Never mind about prevention.
4: Well, we didn't heal him yet, but, um, you know, you hear this journey. I mean, that sounds like a two-year journey. And because each of these drugs, you got to give it a couple months. Mm -hmm. And you know, some bizarre drugs to treat a chronic cough. I mean, he did go through a good run of different things. uh, But just because he went to a naturopath and was put on certain foods and and supplements doesn't mean it was the right foods and the right supplements for him. So um, we really have to look at, you know, gut health. And this is possibly one of the impacts of it, which we don't think about.
0: So does all of this lead back on the path to prevention? Is this where, uh, you know, the patients that have called in tonight, what are they all missing? I mean, they're all in bad shape.
4: Well, you know, what's interesting is that everyone who called either did not have a diagnosis. They didn't identify their plaque or they did identify the plaque and they were still left with no uh, recourse other than maybe take a statin. You know, and for Kayla's doctor to not recognize familial hyperlipidemia with an LDL of over 300 is kind of scary, frankly. Mm-hmm. Just scary. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and just, it doesn't, you just don't even care about being on a statin. I mean, you need to be on one because rapatha works better with a statin than without one. But the statin's not doing the job. Um, she's, it's a genetic problem. Um, so if you have a, if you, it doesn't matter who you are because there's data that shows that people without any risk factors or any family history still get plaque and have events. Right. So you've got to diagnose your disease, which is do you have plaque? And then you want to have data that you can follow. The CIMT is not the data. That's the disease. That's the identification. Then you have to. Fine, because repeating a CIMT doesn't help you. Not the the CIMT. Repeating a CT calcium score doesn't help you. You you need the CIMT, which gives you repeatable data that changes with the changes of your risk. Mm -hmm.
0: That's what's really you got to do. And then someone's got to guide you through it. Well, coming back to Kayla's case, I mean, she's obviously an American who grew up here in Michigan and is a a teacher in Korea right now under the care of a Korean doctor. But as much as I know about her family history, her father had cardiac disease at age 30 and he died at age 40 something. So obviously there's some kind of genetic factor going on there.
4: Well, and I I don't know anything else about Kayla than what we just talked about today. But, you know, when you have that kind of family history, you've got to go and get fully checked out. And she might have in her mind, you know, I went to my doctor, they said, I'm fine. But mm-hmm. if she's, again, if she's just learning at whatever age she is now, that she's got a LDL, of, a high LDL, that's too late. I mean, it's not too late, but it's that you need to know a long time ago. Um, and then work on all the other drivers of disease because you just don't know
0: what else is impacting your health. Well, I mean, at this point, though, like you've said, you've had many patients a lot older than her that have come into your practice and you've gotten them under control. So I'm well, assuming that, Oh no! One's get too this late. Under She's right. She's alive.
4: Then she, it's not too late, and you can wrap all this up and and follow the the markers and confirm that you're going to go the right direction. So it's never too late. But just why why are we just learning about that now? You know. And so you cannot assume you're okay just because you're thin, you exercise, Eat you healthy. intermittent fast. You can't make those assumptions. And you know.
0: Bad things happen because you don't know what your risks are. So should she be starting off with the CIMT? Absolutely. So I'm wondering what the availability of the CIMT in Seoul, South Korea is. No idea. Yeah, good question. She'll have to look into that. And then uh, if not, she's going to have to fly back here and get it done in your in your office. Sure. So we have 40 seconds, Dr. Collin, and what do you want the listeners to know?
4: Well, we had great callers, you know, we, we really did. Everyone's on point. As soon as we say we're talking about prevention, we get all these great prevention related calls. So um, bottom line is identify the plaque, get markers that identify risk and that can be followed over time, get the labs and find someone who can guide you through this process, because it just isn't going to happen in your standard doctor's office, unfortunately. And you've got to be your own advocate because you're not going to hear about it in
0: a three-minute office visit. Absolutely, and everybody basically needs to get the CIMT. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, so I'd quickly like to thank Dr. Brian Colander, MD, specialist in prevention, for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host Anne Marie Cronin, and we hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey. Thanks also to my co-host Siobhan Cronin in Miami. Please continue to tune into our shows Sunday afternoon at three. Thursday evening live at 7 for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to News Talk 760 WJR. Good night and be well.